Hi friends, this is Connie Alpers and I want to welcome you back to Equipped to Be, where I get to help you embrace and navigate the seasons of life so you can reach your personal family and parenting goals. We at Equipped to Be want you to understand how God has given you unique gifts, strengths, and talents so that you can live in all seasons with confidence and joy. Whether you're cooking dinner, holding laundry, or maybe just enjoying some time alone. I hope you enjoy this episode of Equipped to Be. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Equipped to Be. I am Connie Albers. Last week, we had Larry Loftus, the international best-selling author on the program, and our conversation was so good. We decided it needed to be broken into two parts. So this week is part two of my interview and conversation with Larry Loftus. Now, just to remind you, Larry is an international best-selling author. He honed his skills while he was in law school, writing for different law journals and really got to see that that he had a knack for this. And he went on to write some best-selling tax review, tax lean type of books. And during the crash of 08, the housing market crash, that caused him to pause because that was no longer with a housing bubble and that was the area he was writing in. He needed to take a break and figure out what was going to come next, which now has turned into these uh, thriller, World War II, spy uh, novels that are fantastic. If you haven't read them, the first one is Into the Lion's Mouth. The next one was Codename Lease. And his latest is The Princess Spy. So we're going to pick up with my conversation where I was saying, and in comes my story, because I hadn't known Larry that long, and I was in the middle of writing my book, and I needed some help. And a friend introduced me to uh, Larry, and he he was just such a great mentor. And so I'm just delighted he came on the program, and I think you're going to enjoy part two of my conversation with Larry Loftus. So you mentioned Michael Conley, and you said he's a regular person. He's he's a guy. He's in, he was in my fraternity house. I mean, we just right down the hall. And I didn't think of him as somebody celebrity. And so, Larry, the, in comes my story, and that is God told me to write a book. And I know a lot of people, once you are published, whether you are on an, an international best-selling list like you are, or you've created a, a, a parenting book like I have, you're inundated with, how do I write a book? Or people are telling you, oh, I think I got to write a book. I've had this trauma or this tragedy or this idea or this, I've had success in one area and I want to write about it. And that was me. I knew I was supposed to write a book and I knew exactly what it was supposed to be about. I just, I had no idea what to do. I didn't have that background that you had, Larry, where there was all this experience. I mean, I wrote for magazines and stuff like that, but nothing to the level that you had going into this. And I remember, and this is, I just, listeners, I want you to hear this because I think this speaks to the character of Larry. I think that's why I believe God's blessed so much of his work. In this story, and I'm sure there's so many other people that have similar stories, but I remember not knowing what to do. And I went to the library and I checked out, I checked out like, I think it's the how to write a book proposal for dummies or, or idiots. I, I probably had both of them because I didn't know how to do that. It was something foreign to me, but yet I knew I was supposed to do this. And I wrote my friend, and you mentioned him, Steve. 
uh, you guys were, were, were buddies and that's how you referred. Oh, he's my buddy. I wrote him. I don't know why I wrote him. He was, a, he, we were in, we were doing, uh, we were in church together and I knew him. We were kind of teaching in the same area and I just wrote him. I was like, Hey, I know I have to write a book. Do you know anybody that's written a book? And that's the strangest question, but I wasn't afraid to ask. I'm like, hey, you know, if you know anybody, could you just point me in their direction? I'd, I'd love to know, like, how do you do it? <laughs> and, so, and so he's like, oh, yeah, my buddy Larry, just, just contact him. And I'm sure he gave me your contact information, but I just Facebooked you. I might Facebook, hey, I'm a friend of so-and-so. And he said, you might, you know, maybe be able to help me. I've got to write a book. Now, I don't know if you remember this story. But I look back and, and I get red-faced because I think about, I didn't go Google you. I didn't find out, now, who is this Larry Loftus? Is he somebody famous? Has he written before? It was just like, oh, no, you're a buddy of somebody that we, we like, we know. We've, I've known Steve for many years. And so I'm like, okay, he said, contact you. So I just contacted you and you wrote me back. And I said, hey, I got to write a book and I don't know what I'm doing. And you just so generously gave me years of research and knowledge, and you just gave it over. I mean, not your work, but your what you had learned along the process. And you were so encouraging in my journey. You were miles ahead of me in this author, agent field, and I was entering into it as a complete rookie, just really green and not knowing what to do. And y'all, I want you to hear, when I told you, you're going to see yourself in some of these scenarios. Here I am. I, I wasn't 20-something. I was entering a brand new field. God was telling me to pivot. And I'm like, oh, okay. But you can't be afraid when there's a disruption. You can't be afraid when there, when you've got to do something that you're not certain you know how to do. God will put people in your path. And Larry, you were one of those people. And when I tell my story, because people often say, well, how did, it's kind of like, how did you get an agent? I'm like, God's story. Um, how did you get a book published? I'm like, God's story. You know, you meet somebody along the way through authentic relationship and just doing life, doing, doing life and being generous in your way along what you're doing. And I just have to say, uh, you know, Larry, that's what I find in the writer's world is probably because it's a very isolated field, I have found writers to be extremely encouraging. I mean, they'll also be very honest. They'll say, yeah, the chances of making it are like one in 300 million. But I mean, the slight exaggeration, but it's tough. It's a tough industry. And they're generous. They're encouraging. They're honest. They're authentic. And I have found that experience with my book, and you'll you've always been one to say, okay, are you working on the next book? Have you are you going after like swing from the stars, um, shoot for the best? Well, now I know why. I've never heard your commitment to excellence, but now that makes sense. So in my story here, all it took was for me just to step out. You didn't know me. Uh, you could have been like you know what, lady, you don't even know what you're doing. I am so far into all these other projects that I'm doing, and I can't really help you because you don't even know how to write a book. If you wanted me to like help you outline it or not outline it or something like that, I didn't even know what I was doing, and yet you pause long enough to kind of help me with my next step, going back to that comment where I said, it, you got to know your steps. And sometimes 
through our conversation, listeners, I want you to hear, you have your hands stretched back. It doesn't mean that you're, you're stooping down, but you are stooping. You're bending over to help the next person run their race, fulfill their assignment. And at the same time, your hand is extended to someone who maybe has traveled even further than you have, because we're all in a journey. We're all in a race. We're all given a unique assignment. My, I may never be a New York Times bestseller. My goal was to do the best that I could do with the information that I had and present it to the marketplace and let, and let, and then trust God with the rest. So Larry, when you were writing, was your goal to be an international best-selling? I mean, you've won them all. I was looking at the, I mean, you've had the New York Times, the, you tell me the three, because you know them. You're intimately well, acquainted with all three, of Well, the big three, the, the prestige level is the New York Times is considered number one, yeah. and then the Wall Street Journal is number two. USA Today's number three, um, and then the indie bestseller list number four. And you've had so, all of them. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, God has been kind. Yes, and that is, listeners, I just want you to hear this. When I was younger, I used to uh, work for Walt Disney, and I worked with a lot of VIPs and dignitaries, and it's something that stuck with me, Larry, and I, I think you exemplify this as well. I was young. And I was with um, Walter Cronkite. I was I had worked with a lot of dignitaries, but Walter Cronkite taught me something very valuable, and I think that's why I am so grateful to you and you sharing with my audience your experience, how your journey has gone, and something I learned from him is you didn't have to be a certain place in order to matter to him. I was I was in technical terms. I was kind of like a nobody. I was just starting out. I was very young. And here he he was gracious. He helped me. He took my mom and I even to New York on a trip and set us up so we could do all these wonderful things and stayed in contact for years. And what I learned is people who have real power, real influence, real prestige, real um, authentic character. They never make you feel like you're beneath them. You're just right alongside them on your own race, maybe even a different track. And Larry, I would love for you to kind of expand just on that one spot because I don't believe you to, I've never heard you act like, oh yeah, I've like won all the big, you know, I've won all the big awards. I've never heard you say that. And when you and I were working together, you were helping me. You never even mentioned all these other things you had done. And when I found out, I was so embarrassed. I thought, oh, he must've thought I was just truly an idiot because I had no idea about this person. I just, you were a friend of a friend. And he said, I, I should reach out to his buddy and I did. So can you speak to that for a second? Because God has placed you in a role with enormous influence and reach and great at, at your craft. There's a lot of listeners that are on their journey and they're trying to figure it out. Maybe they're afraid to reach out to somebody or maybe they are that someone and they need to answer those calls when maybe they're asked for, hey, can you help me with this one little thought? Could you expand mm-hmm. on that? Sure. Uh, our bridge, of course, is Steve Price, who's, right. who was your friend and my friend. He was very. He, Steve's one of my best friends, and has been one of my best friends 
know, since college. And so um, he's just been an encourager from day one. I mean, just this is just the most incredible guy you could ever meet. So he was the you know, he was our bridge. And so when he said, hey, you know, call or email Connie, she's she's going to she's trying to start out. Well, because it came from I mean, I didn't know you, but because it came from Steve Price. He could have been. He could have named any person in the world, and I would have done it because this is this is my my friend, the guy, the guy, I'm proud of respect more than anybody on the planet. I'm like, okay, yeah, if Steve wants me, I'll do that. Um, and if you remember, he's the thread in my own story because the half of the impetus of me figuring out wh- where do I go in my next genre to write these nonfiction thrillers, these World War II books, um, it was started with Steve giving me. His audio book for Vince Flynn's, and I don't remember which one it was, American Assassin, I think. But um, so Steve was the one that got me hooked onto that uh, before I'd even, you know, thought about writing my own. So he's the common thread there. Uh, but the the best way to explain to somebody what this is like, because the odds are incredible. You got to forget the odds, just forget them. Because if you're worried about the odds, then then don't even try, because the odds are horrible. But every but that's life. I mean, you have to you have to compete. You have to compete to make a sports team. You have to compete. I mean, when I was on Larve, you had to compete to get there. Had to compete to get published. You have to compete if you send out a, a an article to be published anywhere. It's, it's just you have to compete in the world, and regardless of what your business is. And so I knew, well, somebody's got to make it, you know. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and it's what I thought when I was writing on the Law Review. Somebody's got to make it. Why can't it be me? And so, you know, when it was time for me to start doing articles and start doing books, I thought, well, somebody's got to. So the, the big hurdle was to make it to the New York publisher within the lion's mouth where you're in the, you know, you're at the big boy stage because there's only four big publishers uh, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And, and they control everything. So it's a very, very, you know, hard goal to reach. But I just kept thinking, you know, somebody's got to make it. Why can't it be me? You know, my friend Michael Conley made it. Well, it reminds me of what Conley told me once, because this is so true and is so apt for every person that wants to be a writer and, and probably for a lot of the other occupations, too. But Mike, who grew up in Florida like I did, so you grow up going to the beach and surfing or whatever, playing in the water. Mike had said writing, breaking into the writing field is like surfing. And anybody that has gone surfing knows this is exactly how it is. Mike said, it is just a nightmare getting out there because you ever tried to surf, you know, the waves are coming in and you got to get your board out there and you're on the board, but the waves coming in, the waves hitting you in the face and it knocks your board over and knocks you over. You got to get back on the board and do it again and keep paddling, keep paddling, keep paddling. Meanwhile, the next wave comes in the next wave. So you learn, you have to tip your board and go under the wave and then go under the wave. And you keep paddling, paddling, paddling. So it is absolute hell to get out there. But Mike said, and this is so true, once you're out there where it's calm, where the where the waves start, and you spin your board around, then it's great from that point on. You catch the first wave that comes and you ride it all the way into shore. And I'm like, that, and that's where Mike was. I mean, Mike, you know, was at his level, he does a book a year, and they're all number one New York Times bestsellers. And so he's writing that wave in. But he started out just like everyone else. No one wants a new author. No one. No one wanted J.K. Rowling. No one wanted John Grisham. No one wanted Stephen King. Go down the list. If you want to know what the norm is, no one wants you. I mean, 
John Grisham was selling his first book. He couldn't get a publisher, so he self-publishes. He's selling his book out of his trunk at the library, going to libraries to sell his book. That's John Grisham, the top author in the world. So that's just how everybody starts. Everybody starts at ground zero, and then you just take your baby steps. Baby step one, baby step two, baby step three. And so the, you know, one of the first babies, I mean, the first step is, of course, to learn the craft. But I've learned the craft. Then the next step is you have to get an agent. And that's a competition because these agent get these agents get hundreds of submissions a week, some of them a day, hundreds. And and typically the 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 proposal, if it's nonfiction or the the sample, if it's fiction, I mean sometimes the secretary or, or the assistant is the one that's going through the pile. In fact, they have a name for it. It's called the slush pile. All agents call it the same, it's called the slush pile. And they know that that 99% of it is garbage that they're going to throw away, but there's a diamond in there somewhere, and they've got to find the diamond. So our goal is to be the diamond. And and so you have to constantly send out it, – it, it took me a year to get an agent, my first age. It took me a year, and, and I had well over 100 rejections. Well, that's – I mean, but I already knew up front that that was – as I'd done my research, I found out, well, that's kind of the norm. Otherwise, you know, you quit. You get frustrated. But I'd already learned that nobody wanted J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling, who's the first author billionaire, uh, was told by publishers, this is unpublishable. You know, you need to find another – you need to find another business to do. Uh, so that's that's her. I mean, so that that's the norm is that – when you're brand new, nobody wants you. You just have to believe in yourself, learn the craft, work hard, get an agent, and then it's your agent's job to sell you. Once you get the agent, then it's the agent's job to sell you. If you're nonfiction, you have to do a proposal, and that proposal is what he sends out to different editors. Yeah, you know, as many as you've written, I, you know, because you're currently working on some other books, and I know uh, that. Once you send it out, whether it's your first book or it's your, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth book, and you send it out there, there's this period of time where you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know, is anyone going to buy it? Is anyone going to like it? Right. And even now, you've had tremendous success in this book publishing industry. There's still, when somebody says, a, a publisher that you wanted says, nah, we're going to pass, that's still... Uh, you're like, well, why? Why would you pass on it? It's 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 yeah. it's going to be good. Um, could you just for a second speak to handling the rejection? Yeah, if you're not ready for that, it stings. And and even if you're ready for it, it stings a little because you've worked hard. I mean, and particularly people that have spent years and years and years learning the craft and 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 working hard and maybe publishing in other places. Um, so the rejection stings, but you just have to know that's part of the game. That's part of what Michael Conley's talking about when he says you have to fight the wave, fight the wave, fight the wave to get out there where you can get your board turned around and, and then start catching the waves in. And so that's just the norm. And you just have to be prepared for that and, and just say, you know what, I, I'm just going to keep doing this. I mean, keep your day job. <laughs> you have to keep your day job. <laughs> Uh, Steve Barry, another lawyer, big New York Times bestselling author, is another lawyer. And I'd gone to his – he did a seminar at UCF, uh, I don't know, back in 2013, I think it was. And I was trying to learn the craft, and I went. And and I just remember him saying it took him 12 
years. Wow. 12 years to break in because no one wanted his stuff. I mean, he's submitting to agents. No one wants it. No one wants it. No one wants it. 12 years. And then finally, serendipitously, uh, a guy named Dan Brown writes the Da Vinci Code. And so the publishers were looking for someone that could do a book like Dan Brown's book. And Steve Barry is one of the few people that did that sort of historical thriller where you blend history and you the thriller in there. Mm-hmm. And so the published some of the publishers that had rejected him came back and said, oh, by the way, we'd like to talk to you now, <laughs> you know, because they're thinking we need to we need to find our own Dan Brown. And so that's how he broke in. And and it took him 12 years. So that's just I mean, most people don't take 12 years, but th- so that's just the norm. And, and you just have to say, I'm going to do my best let the chips fall where they may. I'll trust God will bring the right editor, the right publisher at the right time. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Sometimes your agent doesn't do their job or their publisher doesn't fulfill parts of what you expect them to fulfill, or even sales may not even be what you expect. But again, if you can finish this project, whatever it is, you know, it could be writing, it could be, you know, your degree, it could be I'm just trying to think of all the different vocations that are possible, whatever it is, uh, you have, as long as you're doing it with excellence and you can know there was nothing more I could do and you can rest in that. You can rest in it because that part's not your job. Your job is to be faithful, to give your best, to pour out, to do the research, to um, provide a, a quality, a superior product, not quality. That's what we get in education. We get a quality education. We need a superior education. But Larry, as we close out, as we were talking and I had written notes previously, I just want to re-remind uh, some of the things that whatever it is, if God's called you to something, if you feel that you have this unique talent, hone it, craft it, study it, become excellent at it, be the best in it, know that you've got steps to take. Uh, they're baby steps. They're not, you're not going to get from A to Z with one step. And that it's like, it doesn't matter who you are. There are steps in everything that we're pursuing to get us to the next place. And don't discount the last step that you took. Don't think that that relationship that you had in college that, uh, or this friendship that you have, or this connection, don't think that God wastes anything because he doesn't. Nothing is wasted. Everything, as long as you are focused on doing your best, uh, being committed to excellence, then he's going to continue to lead and use that for the next assignment that you're giving. Remember that you've got to hone your craft. As with everything, you can't be a professional water skier if you don't get out and practice all the time or a professional vocalist or any, any field. If you don't, if you're not willing to put the time when the spotlight's not on you, if you're not willing to put the time in to become excellent, don't blame the Lord and don't blame others. It falls on you. You've got to do the work. The other is it's going to take years. There could be disruption. You could have a sudden pivot or change and look for what's next using those same talents. Like Larry, was it writing in in one field, uh, one genre, and then he pivoted to something different. He had to now learn how to write in that field. What what does that genre look like? And then he had to study that. Remember, there's always going to be defeat along the way. Uh, remember that you've just got to keep aiming high, that you can get discouraged sometimes, but you got to persevere 
if it's what you're being led to do and where your natural talents and gifts are, then pursue those. As we as we close out, Larry, what has been the most enjoyable part of your writing journey? Most enjoyable part. Um there's so it's it's all of the parts. <laughs> there's so many things about it that that are. I mean, I, it, it took me a long time to figure out what what I wanted to do when I when I grew up. Decades, but by the time I'm like, why didn't I think of this earlier? I mean, I, I would have been like Michael Conley and known in college this would have been so much easier and so much faster. Um, but the the beauty of what I, what I like and what I'm doing, and and you know the same feeling because you're doing it as well, is. I get to write about something that I'm passionate about, something that I'm interested in, uh, the World War II genre, spies, that kind of stuff. That That's what I like to read anyway, those kind of history books. And I like thrillers and I read thrillers as well. So that's what I like to read anyway uh, that's already in my library or the things that I'm going to be getting. I get to do my own thing with it. I get to you know, one of the things that, that that's a beautiful benefit of being a writer is you you, you create a legacy. You you create a leg. Every book is is something that people can read generations later, and so you you get to hone your craft and 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 write whatever you want to write about, and and then it's there for for perpetuity. I mean, you, your your heirs will get the the royalties from that book and, until it stops selling, and so that's exciting. But but the other part is. You can do it. I mean, what I really love about this is I can do it anywhere in the world. All I need is a laptop. I, I need a laptop. Yeah, I might have to go to the to the National Archives if I want to pull files. But other than that, I mean, I can write and do most of the research anywhere in the world. So uh, there are not many professions where you can do that, where you can say, oh, I'll just take my laptop and I'll go. Uh, I'll go off and I'll write. In fact, I wrote a, a good bit of Codename Lease. I spent a month in Medellin, Colombia. And uh, beautiful place, beautiful climate. And so I, I just I, I wanted a place to get away. And so I, I was there with my laptop. And so I'd already had the files. I'd already copied the files from the archives onto my computer. So now it's putting everything together. And so that's a huge benefit is, is that you get to uh, do it from anywhere in the world, literally. Uh, and, and if you go to some place to research, well, you get to write the trip off. You know, that's a tax tax deduction. So, um, see, there so you're drawing from your earlier writings. There you go. <laughs> yeah. But even, I mean, from your perspective as a parent, you know, that when you and Tom are long gone, your kids will get the benefit of those books, not only having them on their bookshelves, but assuming that the book's still selling, they're going to get checks in the mail, you know, twice a year from, from those books. And, and the more books you do, the more checks they get. And that's, so your kids don't know this, but they have a blessing coming down the road. Well, I love what you said, creating a legacy. You know, yeah. you, writers are creators. They are artists in their own right. And that's what you've been doing. Last question. Favorite character so far from Into the Lion's Mouth, Codename Lee's, and The Princess Spy. Who's your favorite character so far? Well, without a doubt it's Popoff because he was he was the greatest spy ever. I mean, that's how I started, by looking for greatest spy ever. He had warned about Pearl Harbor. He gave the FBI evidence on, on August uh, 18, 1941, four months before the attack, which, which would have saved over 2,000 lives had Hoover not buried it. And, and then he was the key guy to deceive the Germans. The key reason the Germans were deceived about D-Day 
because he was their top agent. Of course, he was a double agent working for the British, but he was their top, the Germans' top agent, and they trusted him. And so he convinced them the invasion was coming at Paracalé rather than where it was at Normandy. So he had this huge impact on the war. Um, that alone, D.D. alone saved thousands of lives, thousands. Wow. So he accomplished a lot. I mean, he's who they based the real-life James Bond after, And that's correct? who they based John. That's who Ian Fleming. And so the I, I outline it in the book, but the, if you watch the Ian Fleming's movie, Casino Royale, or you read the book, he just recreated what he saw Popoff do at Casino Estoril in 1941, on August 1, 1941. He just watched what Popoff did and then turned it into a book. You know, and I've got all the registration statements that, you know, from their hotel when they were there and how they met and all that stuff. So, but anyway, so he, to answer your question, he's by far my favorite. Oh, well, Larry, I'm going to just tell everybody, uh, they they have to go get all three books. Read them. Uh, they're even the kind of books that you could have your uh, teenagers read together, because I know a lot of people read together. You could read, definitely get them. They're available everywhere books are sold. And I... I really want to encourage you to do that. Go over and check out Larry's social media platforms. All those will be in the show notes. So I'll have his bio. The books will be there where you can get them, where you can find and follow him because he he's done some really cool things, been on the Today Show. You know, just uh, highlighting the characters and the stories, uh, you, you want to follow him because he has many books Uh, I think, still to write. And I know he's working on several right now. But Larry, thank you for taking the time to join us at Equip to Be. Thank you for sharing what you've learned along the way, what your journey looked like, and just the people that you will equip just by hearing your story. And who knows, we may have a future uh, author out there listening, and they're going to remember that they are equipped to be a writer and author. They are equipped to do whatever it is God's called them to do with excellence and settle for nothing less, but doing your absolute best. So I'm just so grateful you came on and for your help, literally your help in helping me get Parenting Beyond the Rules into the marketplace. You were a huge source of encouragement and help, and I'm just forever grateful. Well, thanks for having me on, Connie, and thank you for that. It's it was my my pleasure, uh, without question. So I know there's there's many more books coming down your road too. <laughs> so I'm anxious to see what what God does with that. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for being on the podcast. Well, friends, that wraps up this episode of Equipped to Be. I listen. Send us a, a note. Uh, email us. You can find me on social media. Go to Instagram. Go to Facebook. To direct message me. Either way, I want to get you connected with uh, Larry Loftus' books. You're just going to absolutely love them. You really will. They're they're just page turners, and they're so good. And this concludes this episode. So again, make sure you tune in next time. Tell your friends about it. I know the podcast world has been changing a lot, and we want you to stay connected with Equipped to Be as we grow and change and serve and support the needs of your family as you grow and change and become all that God's called you to be. Well, that wraps up this episode of Equipped to Be. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with a friend or family member and hit subscribe so you don't miss a show. And thank you again for joining me. Remember that we are equipped for every season of life.